Welcome to the Painted Target Podcast. Episode 11, I'm Jason at Aware Integrate on Twitter, awarenessintegrations.com. And I got Nick here today. He's been on the podcast a few times. He's a biochemical engineer. We've talked about many topics. Today we're going to talk about redemption. Now you could name it, I'm sure, a few other things, but the idea is how do you fix your past or things that you've done in your past that you regret, things that you can't remove because you keep thinking about them and why these things keep coming up and how there's nothing gained when you keep revisiting these things. So, Nick, thanks for coming on. Hey, Jason. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on as always. All right, so let's get right into it. Um, people... A lot of the questions that I'll get from people are, is there any way to really fix the past? So my quick, I mean, you could say more or less fix things that have happened in the past that you regret, things that you wish you didn't do. My quick version of it is basically, I think as far as fixing the past, you can't let it happen again in the future. You can't repeat it. You can't repeat it now. So the only real way to fix something that has happened is by dropping it and basically never repeating it. And that's a very quick, you know, way to put it. But if you're living now and you're working now, you're doing things now, what happened in the past is over. So the idea that you're going to fix it by thinking through it for just day after day, year after year it serves no purpose. So like I said, my theory is more along the lines of don't ever repeat it and take action to do everything you can in order to rebuild something new now. So Nick, what's your opinion on someone that wants to fix the past? I think it's some of the key points. It's yeah, I'll get a little esoteric right off the bat here, but the present, the time you're in at the moment is wherever you're focusing your mind. So if you're walking around day to day, still thinking about some event or series of events uh, in the past, uh, you know, you're essentially still living those. Yeah. You know, even if you don't realize it at a conscious level, at a subconscious level, your behavior is responding to those memories, not to where you are right now. Yeah. And it comes back to that point of, you know, which has been written in about every single metaphysical type self-help book out there, which is you're never actually living a life if you're consistently stuck in the past. And I think it's, I think it's a simple point, but I think it's something that you see a lot nowadays is, you know, when you're out and about and you're doing stuff, how many people are actually living? Like they are legitimately living their life right now. And there's very few because it's constantly in the past. It's constantly in the future. And, you know, it's one of the other bullet points we have here. But which is funny about this is 
we worry about things, we revisit things from the past over and over and over. That's what we do. But the funniest thing is, what do we gain from it? So we do it. It's program behavior. It's automatic behavior. But what do we actually gain by doing all that thinking? I mean, I don't believe, because I did this in my life many times, but I don't believe that there is any way to think yourself out of a past problem. You could think yourself out of a problem now in the moment that you're trying to get past, but we don't gain anything by being stuck in those places, but we continue to do it. So the next question would be, if we're not gaining anything by sitting in the past, and I know people listening to this are doing it currently, why do we sit in it so much? You know, I think there are two points there. Um, I'll take a little step back. And the first point, and this is key to being able to not be controlled, not be owned by your past, not be trapped in it, and that is self-forgiveness. Um, you know, any person on this planet has something they're embarrassed about or ashamed about that they've done at some point in their past, even if nobody else in the world knows about it. At some point, you have to accept it and move on. You have to be willing to forgive yourself. You know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not condoning bad acts, but, you know, let's take an extreme example. If, you know, you, you murdered somebody out of anger, out of hate, you know, you've moved on with your life, you went to prison, whatever, you're out. You know, unless you're a sociopath or a psychopath, uh, unless you forgive yourself, and you see this with addicts too all the time, unless you're willing to draw the line and Lord, just say to yourself, I forgive me, you will never move on. Yeah. Because you, even at a subconscious level, you're always punishing yourself, no matter what, <clears throat> which ties directly into the second point, which is people get half of the process of using your past constructively. And that is looking at it. Okay, what, what was the action or the event, positive or negative? Um, but that causes an emotional response in everybody. And, you know, this kind of gets into a little bit, as you mentioned all the time, of, you know, being, you know, uh, unattached. Not detached, obviously, they're different, but unattached. Don't let the emotional responses dictate your overall response. So you're remembering an event that, you know, was un a bad breakup with a girlfriend because you did something stupid. Um, okay, well, think about what you did. Look at what you did. And then, you know, two things. Number one, forgive yourself. And part of forgiving yourself is saying thank you to everyone involved. As silly as that may sound, that is a huge step for a lot of people because, um, okay, um, you know, I did something stupid, but think about the lessons you learned. And for most people, the act of being able to say thank you for that experience, there's a lot I can take from it. Maybe it was an unpleasant one. Maybe it was a painful one, literally or figuratively. But if you're willing to forgive yourself and look at it and say, you know, be grateful for the experiences you have in life. Thank you for that experience because I have all the lessons there. I'm never doing that again. And now if I actually take a step back and don't let the emotion drive me, I can see how to use those lessons so that I maintain a positive direction in whatever way you choose. Yeah, that's a good point because it's easy to get caught up in kind of, oh, you need to learn from the past. You need to learn from the situation. 
but it's actually true. I mean, they're using that in self-help and kind of positive psychology, but it's true because if you can't ever be in a position where you could see it and you could say, hey, I messed up and I learned something, then you will never get over it. And the funny thing about learning is you're only where you're at right now because of the learning from the past. So even if it was bad, you still are here right now with the intelligence and the knowledge you have because of those mess ups. And I don't think people look at it far enough. I think they go, oh, you're supposed to learn from your past and they kind of drop it. But really, they're just repressing it. And I think that's another problem with um, kind of a lot of the stuff you read trying to help people is it's more or less like, oh, learn from your past. It had to happen. Don't worry about it. And there's kind of a period at the end of the sentence and nobody knows what to do after that. But it's really having this unattached awareness of, oh, this happened. There's nothing I could do about it at this point besides what I could do right now. And I think we talked about that. It was either me and you or it was Rick. We talked about that on another podcast where, you know, I messed up in a few situations many times in my life. And I can remember being in those situations, it messing up, being like just dumbfounded that it happened, but then going back into the situation, you know, the next day, the next week, whatever it was, and thinking, I have so much more knowledge and just intelligence now because of that incident. Like I would not be, I would still be sitting here indirectly half-assing it because I wasn't shown that lesson. And I, I don't think people always look at it like that because you're what you are now is because of then. And that is, you know, that's the most important part, I think, of all of this. So that's a good point. Um, here's something else is when we're sitting here now, so you got to, so the first kind of piece to this is you need to be aware of it, like you said, you need to see it, and you need to forgive yourself in the sense of, look, it happened, you know, this is how it went, and then you go to the next step, which is essentially how to learn from it. So the other part of this would be, how do you create something new? How do you currently create something now that kind of leaves the past in the past? For me, I think it's more or less learning, you know, from it like you did and creating something now that can kind of overshadow that. You know, you got to be careful because you don't want it to be kind of like a, what's the word, kind of like an overcompensation, which you see a lot. You know, somebody did something wrong, so now they spend the rest of their life trying to prove to everyone that they're not wrong. That's basically just egoic, but you have to be in a position where that acceptance of what happened allows you to create something new now. So give us your thoughts on that, Nick. Yeah, it, you, you're touching on the, the basics of manifestation here, although that's an entirely different uh, discussion. You know, the the key to it, and, you know, this may sound a little bit, uh, you know, old and shall we say common but you know the first step is where do you want to be yeah think about that how many people actually stop and contemplate where do i want to be 
in life relative to whatever the question at hand is, whether it be relationship, work, just life in general. Where, where do you really want to be? And the hard part about that is if you just do it casually, right here in this moment, well, where do I want to be? It's almost always going to be some sort of improvement of whatever your current situation is. But if you actually take the time, and you know, whether it be a week, a month, two hours of meditation, whatever it may be, it's going to be different for everybody. And actually take a step back and, you know, almost go to like a third person view of, well, here's where I am. What am I happy with? And what am I not happy with? And the process is going to be slightly different for various people. I mean, give you an easy example. Um, You know, let's say you're married, you have a family. Um, Let's say you and your wife aren't in the best place right now. Where do you want to be? Well, you know, this is the real world. It's not some perfect world in a book. You may decide there are compromises. Well, in my perfect world, maybe I'd pick up and leave, but I'm not willing to do that to my family or my children. So now what do I need to be in a place that maintains these things that are non-negotiable for me versus a younger person? You know, they're on their own. They don't have, uh, you know, the family commitments or attachments. It's a very different conversation. Do I want to pick up and, you know, run off to some foreign nation and redefine my life or, you know, whatever. Um, so you have to be aware that it's not a, a defined path. You, you can't say exactly, here's a bullet point list, follow each of these steps. But the first step is define that picture even if it's unrealistic at first, define the picture, but define it outside of the context of where you are right now. And once you have that picture, you can figure out, is there a path from here to there, or do I need an alternative? And then what would that be? Yeah, the context, that's, I love that word context. I mean, that's that's something that Hawkins talks about a lot, Dr. Hawkins. And I think that when it comes to changing your context, changing your framework, you know, getting out of the past, it really comes down to being able, and I mean, I say this in every podcast, but being able to unattach, pull back, have the awareness to be able to kind of manifest and kind of push where you want to go. Because the funny thing about manifestation and kind of, you know, it's even like law of attraction, that type of stuff is, it's not really all woo-woo so to speak it's not really even in a lot of ways i mean there's esoteric components of it for sure but it's really just being in a position where you are not stuck in the mud of emotion and you're able to say okay what do i need to do here because when you are explaining that you are essentially breaking it down this is the situation i'm in what do i want to do there you go. And I've I've actually had conversations like that with um this may have been like a year ago. Somebody contacted me that was married with kids and all these things and it was something along the lines of well there's no way I can do blank but I want x y and z. But in my head I'm thinking if you're able to sit there and say I'm not able to do this and you've accepted that and you're cool with that, you base the context and the new framework off of that. You can't say, like your example, you can't say, well, 
I want to go off to whatever country and do blah, 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 but I don't want to leave my kids. So you have to stop and say, well, what's the, like, what's the pivot point? I'm not leaving my kids no matter what. Okay. So you can already drop the whole going overseas and living like a nomad because you just said, (laughs) you know what I mean? You just said you can't leave them. So stop with the, like all these cool little ideas you have because you just answered about 50% of them, but we don't want to see it or we can't see it because of the awareness. It's always an emotional attachment. We've all done it. I've done it a million times. You know, it's stuck. I want blank, but you really are just stuck in the emotion and not able to, to see anything else, you know? I mean, that, that right there could be the biggest takeaway for the conversation is when anybody says, I want X, very few people, even people who are relatively self-aware in the moment, it's very difficult at the best of times to realize that, that most of that desire is driven, you know, by the, by the brain and by the body. Most of it is subconscious. Most of that desire is not conscious, you know, choice of desire of I want X, Y, or Z. So, okay, I want to run off overseas. Well, do I, you know, maybe I just have this fantasy picture, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it was a TV show or some story I heard 10 years ago from a friend or whatever. And my subconscious is just chewing on it. Well, I I need to sit down like that. That's great. That's a pretty picture that would be exciting. But, you know, once again, it's, it isn't a fantasy world. You can change a lot. You, you can have way more control over your life than most people would imagine, but you know, you're still part of the world around you. You know, you don't get to dictate it. You have to work with it. So from that perspective, okay, here's where I am, you know, okay. It's, you know what, I'm 60 years old, you know, I'm not going to run off and, you know, be the whole, which is popular on uh, social media right now, the digital nomad in Thailand. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. It's probably not going to end well for you. So here's my situation. No matter where you are, there are probably some pretty good options for you, but you got to take a step back and, you know, verbalize it. Honestly, a great way to do this is have that conversation with yourself, you know, with a cat, a dog, a tree. Um, I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but that can be a pretty important piece because the thing is um, how you process a thought actually changes how your brain deals with it. So writing a thought or speaking a thought is different than just having that thought with yourself in your internal voice. So especially when you're starting to get into deep stuff like this, really the best way to do is to actually write it the way when you write something, um, your brain can take a process that is normally say threatening. Like I had a bad experience. Where do I want to go now? Well, write out your conversation with yourself because you know, there's a lot of physiology behind this. You can go dig up, which is fascinating, but essentially your brain takes something that it was responding negatively to before essentially puts it back into, I'm going to make up terms here back into Ram instead of having it stuck in storage. And now you can reprocess it in, in Ram in memory and say, Oh, okay, here's my new view on it. Now it can go back into storage without that previous connotation. Mm-hmm. Now it'll go back into storage with the view I just processed it with. And that's, that's another form of unattachment, you know, because you're basically, you're taking new information and removing the stuff from it that doesn't matter. And it's like you said, 
you could be a digital nomad. You could do all that stuff. Nobody cares. Do whatever you need to do, but you better be doing it from a place of, I heard, man, you know, I can never remember who wrote all these things, but I, I read something once where the guy was basically like, you could do whatever you want, but you better be doing it from a direct place. Like you, it's just like straight out. I'm sitting here. There's no noise. I'm basically in an active meditation. What do I need to do? And you just sit there and boom, out of nowhere, you get this thought, oh, I need to go be a digital nomad. Okay, then it's cool. But don't be doing it from a place of emotion because that's what we're all doing is we're, well, I'm pissed off that I can't do blank here, get blank and do this and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to do this. It's just, it's a knee jerk emotional reaction. And I think a lot of people have a problem with that. But like you're saying, if you could take the data essentially from the past, from storage, which is which is usually connected with so many things from our subconscious, and you can remove those things and create something new now. I mean, you. I remember one time I had this, this was years ago at this point, and I, something really bad happened. I don't know what, which one it was at this point. And I can remember sitting there. I think I was in like, I I literally remember where I was in my house. I think it was in my basement or something. And I said, it was like, I just had this flash that hit me and said, the only way to fix the past is not repeat it. Like we said before, but I just had this kind of feeling and this thought of anything I want to create right now ends up being the new past. You know what I mean? It's like that, that you've just created something new. So the key though, like you said, is creating it new without those pieces that you've hung onto from the past. Definitely. And, you know, I'm kind of circling back here, but, and this won't be for everybody, but I, I think it will be for a lot of people as silly as it may sound at first glance, the act of thanking everyone involved, whatever the situation was, for taking part, for playing their role so that you could learn those lessons, whether they were painful, pleasant, or something in between is irrelevant. Because by having to think about those thoughts, this is just like the writing stuff we just discussed, by having to think about them, and then by making the choice, I'm not saying you have to like the people involved, I'm not saying you have to go want to interact with them again or anything else. But by simply saying, okay, uh, you know what? I was stupid. I had too much to drink. I started a fight in a bar and I got my ass kicked. Hey, to the, you know, this is all in your head, but hey, to the three dudes who, who beat my ass, um, thank you. Because you know what? I'm going to be thinking real careful about maybe having a few too many drinks. And, you know, when I know I tend to run my mouth and start stuff, it was a painful lesson. And, uh, you know, maybe that, you know, learning this lesson keeps me from getting stabbed in a bar fight a year from now. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yeah, it hurts, you know, like I've got a broken nose, cracked eye socket, and I, I look like a mess, but thank you. Because just by having that thought, once again, you've redefined it from a negative defining point that your subconscious is essentially always aware of to something else. You've actually changed, you know, this is essentially the core of transmutation. You've transmuted it to a positive thing. Yeah, it's alchemy. Yeah, in that, the thing that I like about that is 
or it could be taken a different way because I feel like people could hear a lot of this stuff, you know, and be especially like from where I came from and you could be turned off by it because it's all saying thank you and kind of acceptance and all these words that none of us are used to, you know, especially certain personalities, but it's actually the truth. And that's the thing that's so funny. I mean, you get your ass beat for running your mouth for drinking too much. You're probably not going to do that again. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people do, but you're going to be aware that, Hey, like it's basically a forced awareness. And I've had that happen so many times in my life where just like I said, I'll actually sit down and think, Oh, there's no, I I had this thought once I kind of touched on this earlier. But I had this thought once and it was it was an extreme thought in the training position I was in, but something bad happened. It wasn't good. Went back, you know, the next day or whatever. And it was, you know, it was awkward, obviously. But I can remember being in that situation and thinking, while you don't ever want to say never, thinking there is no possible way that that could ever happen again because of the bad thing that happened. I mean, that just like the bar fight, that is so important because even though someone had to kind of pay for it, which we don't want for you to learn, you put yourself in a position where you basically can never repeat it. If you have some sort of awareness, you will not repeat it because of that. And that is the point of saying thank you. That's the point of, you know, you don't have to walk up to them necessarily, but that's the point of being aware of it. And I think it's very easy to get kind of confused in that because people are like, screw that. I'm not like, you know, just charge on freaking alpha, all these words. And really, it's more about being a realist. You know, it's being an extreme realist, in my opinion. Well, and it's it's not even thinking the person per se, uh, you know, to honestly, I would suggest that probably won't work for a lot of people just because of, you know, inherent negative emotions for most lessons, people are probably going to be looking at it like this, but, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, whether you want to call it source, the universe, Gaia, you know, I, I don't care what you call it, but, you know, the world around you, the, the universe. Hey, universe, that was a kick-ass lesson. You know, sounds like an obvious thing. Shouldn't have gotten drunk and picked a fight with three dudes bigger than me. But you know what? You know, now I kind of know that if I want to run my mouth, either choose a better bar, don't drink as much, or, you know, make these different choices. Yeah, it's once again about choices, which it's always about. Um, and you know, the one thing we kind of touched on this, uh, earlier, but one thing to touch to talk about real quick is why does the ego, cause that's what it is. Why does the ego stay stuck on this stuff so much? So what for something that, I mean, I pretty much, I think it's just programming. I think we are so used to it, but for something that is serving us no purpose at all. What is the point of the ego being so stuck on this? So we'll end it on this topic. Go ahead, Nick. You know, um, I, I think uh, there's a guy, I know you know who he is, but for people listening, there's a guy by the name of Matthew Ferry. Um, he has some good stuff. 
you know, in my personal opinion, some stuff I don't uh, mesh with as well. But one term, I, I think it, he probably has, it's on YouTube somewhere. I think it, it's something like a two minute video clip. And the whole point of it, he uses the term, the monkey brain. And honestly, like that, I was like, holy cow, he nailed it. Because the monkey brain's job, its only job is to keep you alive and to fulfill your biological imperatives, eat, sleep, and reproduce. That is it. That's its only job. And it's extremely good at what it does or none of us would be here. Um, but it's a catch-22. It's so good at what it does that it, it's not logical. It's not rational. It, it simply responds. If X, then Y. Okay, so if I, I did X before and something bad happened, okay, that is forever remembered as bad and I'm always going to respond in a certain way. There's nothing reasonable, logical, or thoughtful about it. It simply is. Um, and it's not just your subconscious. It's The monkey brain is part of actually your higher normal thought process and part of your subconscious. Um, but, you know, ego is essentially the monkey brain. And the challenge is that you, all of us, we have this tool that's extremely powerful because it's been so successful for, you know, millions of years, basically. Um, but you have to be able to choose to tell to sit down and be quiet. You're driving. And no matter how aware you are, I mean, this is something I work on all the time. Um, you know, we've mentioned before, I, I have kids. And, you know, no matter how centered you may think you are, or, you know, present in the moment, kids are phenomenal at pushing your buttons. And, it, you know, there are times where, you know, one of my kids may be doing something and, you know, basically it's, it's a very strong impulse, you know, the monkey brain impulse to, you know, respond with a negative emotional response instead of, you know, we actually talked about this the other day with my son. He was, he was instigating some trouble and, you know, the first, you know, completely, you know, no mind thought that, that just hit me was I need to raise my voice and, you know, probably time out or grounded and this and that. I just stopped. I let it go by. Once it had gone by, I said, oh, hold on, let's look at the situation. And then it took an entirely different route. Me and him, as we spoke about, you know, we sat down, we had a talk, we went for a walk, discussed the situation a little more. And it ended up uh, honestly a very positive you know, I'll say experience all around versus if I had just listened to the monkey brain, then he would have honestly looking back at it now, he would have still been pissed off about it. I would still be grumpy about it. So, you know, the monkey brain can create a lot of negatives and it doesn't care about the baggage. All it cares about is that you made it through this moment. It'll deal with that baggage later. And the problem is, is that it actually is usually pretty good at dealing with the baggage but not in a constructive way. It tends to leave more negativity behind it than it does positivity. Yeah, it all goes back to the mind. I mean, we have this survival tool that is so good at what it does, but we live in it. You know, it's supposed to be this kind of tool that keeps us alive and saves us and all these things, but we live in it. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. That's exactly what we do. And it's sad because I don't think many people know that there's anything else besides that anymore. I, I think we're really in a position now in life where 
it's not the mind is not the same as the brain. We all have a brain, but the mind is kind of the you know, it's kind of the exhaust fumes of the brain that don't help us. And it does, you know, it keeps us alive in that sense. It, you know, so it does help us with quotations, but it's not helping us necessarily get forward. The mind would have you sit in your house all day and do nothing. You know, it's, that's what we're living in nowadays, but good points. And, um, you know, to sum this up, guys, if you want to fix the past, you don't repeat it. You have the awareness to see it, and then you create something new in the present. But the key word here, and you know the linchpin to this whole thing, is being able to see it. You have to be unattached at some point enough to say, just like you said with your son, to pull back and say, you know, this isn't working. And then you have to make a new change. Because the thing that's interesting about the example with your son is if you were to flip out, if you were to freak out and just boom, react, you could actually sit here and argue that nothing would be gained by that. Nothing. There's nothing that would be gained. Yet the mind, the ego, whatever you want to label it, is screaming at you to react. And that's the funniest part about this. You know, it's kind of setting you up for failure. So you have to have the awareness. You have to have enough unattachment to actually see that. So, you know, just realize those things. But Nick, you got anything you want to add? You know, the only thing I'd add, I think you kind of touched on it is, you know, controlling your past and using it instead of letting it control you and modify you is a great goal. Um, but no matter what, uh, this kind of ties into something else. So I won't go too far off track is there's always a price to pay for any, for any step forward. There's always a price to pay in, um, I'll be a little esoteric here in energy. It could be physical, mental, or spiritual. And in these examples, you had a bad experience. You get your ass kicked in a bar because you did something stupid. You know, be honest. Anything, whether it's an, you know, shame or embarrassment or anything unpleasant, even reliving that moment in your head, it isn't fun. You know, you're essentially paying a mental price per se. Um, and that's some people simply aren't willing to do it because they shy away. And obviously, the the harder the past you're dealing with, the higher that price is going to be. And, you know, you start getting to extreme events. And, you know, there are times where people will need to be helped, uh, helped, you know, their hand held in some form or fashion, because that price can get very high. But that shouldn't deter you. You know, it's it's like going to the gym. You know, by paying that price now, you are going to be so much further ahead once you move through that. All right. Well, I think we'll end it on that. There's not much more to say on this topic, but... You know, I don't say this enough in the podcast, but if you guys ever have anything you want to talk about, any questions, anything to review, let us know. Nick, give them before we go one more time your uh, Twitter handle. It is uh, Fallen Shadow OF. All right, Fallen Shadow OF, guys, on Twitter. And thanks for listening. We will see you next time. This episode of the Painted Target podcast was brought to you by Awareness Integrations. Only you care about your problems. The Painted Target is also sponsored by Grave Delay Athletics. 
apparel that says I'm going to live well and cheat death. 